0: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in
1: studio today by the one and only Glenn Cook. Hi, everyone. So, it's just us. We're having a fun day today because we've got total blackout here at the moment. So, we're running off complete battery power. We've got people cutting trees down outside the front and Mm -hmm. they've, uh, yeah, they cut the street power off. So, we've tried something different. We're on a different interface altogether. So, it might sound a little different. Who knows? I'm going with it. There was some swearing in the setup as well. There was, but we've managed to sort it out and it looks like it's all under control and the show is going ahead. So, here we are.
0: Yeah. So, what are we talking about? Today- Can I just say, I feel weird. I'm not wearing headphones because we only have one output and I thought it was going to be fine. <laughs>
1: It does feel a bit weird, doesn't it?
0: It is really weird. when you
1: can't hear yourself talking in yeah. on the actual air, and there's no feedback. It does feel weird.
0: Yeah, this is just how you would have a normal conversation, but if, it feels really strange.
1: If I was a good mate, I'd actually take my headphones off and join you, but I'm not going to. I guess I'm you not going to.
0: Um, maybe if I just put them on my
1: head, kind of just put them on your head, so you've got gluttonous. the feeling. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't muff your ears. Then you've That's got a bit the better. you've got the sensation. That's a bit better. Sorry, I cut you
0: off. What are we talking about?
1: I think a good thing to talk about is because we've had some really good feedback on the show. Mm -hmm. We've been getting people messages and talk to us, which we're always encouraging. Mm -hmm. And you had a message the other day from someone saying, hey, man, thanks for some of the messages that you're putting out in the show because there's been times in the industry where I felt chewed up and spat out and I've been feeling like throwing it in and just getting rid of it altogether. So- On hindsight. I'm getting similar messages from Mm -hmm. talking to people. I thought what we could do is actually talk a little bit more about that, about Mm -hmm. the actual burnout that can happen. We've talked about it with guests on the show. I've talked about my own experiences. I don't think we really need to keep talking about the whole burnout syndrome, but what Mm. we can talk about is things that you can do to improve your health or mental health or the way you feel about where you are and what you're doing and things that you can do to limit your contact and exposure to people that are creating those problems for you
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think definitely after having jazz on i guess it's kind of a good news story right she's doing so well and i think a lot of people well i I know i was contacted by numerous people that were sort of a little bit inspired by that and um were happy to hear because it it doesn't always go that way for people in dogs right there's a lot of people that enter the industry sort of bright-eyed bushy-tailed and then just get get fucked over and chewed up and spat out by 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 veterans
1: yeah, exactly. There's Well, there's a lot of people who just tell you that you shouldn't be doing it and your work, they, I guess the message they have is that your work is ugly mm-hmm. and it's going to be ugly at the start. Mm. Anything that you start a trade-off in is not going to look pretty. You're not going to look like a seasoned professional when you first get into it. And I think that's the frustration people have is that it's kind of like the stigma that models have when they presenting something and they look super slim and they've been working out the whole time. Then they get their hair and makeup done by industry professionals and they're strutting up and down and young girls see them and all of a sudden they have body images over that because they think that's how normal, healthy women should look. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna shame the whole model industry. I'm not gonna turn this into one of lost. those things. We just lost our model. Audience. Yeah, we just yeah, we lost the whole model audience. So yeah. um we've just lost all our sponsorship money by Dolce and Gabbana and <laughs> <laughs> I wish.
0: You know, when I was an apprentice <laughs> the guy I work with, Mike, he uh his wife was in advertising, she um and she did a Dolce Gabbana big Um, I don't know what she did for them did something but ended up with all the product um, which were these sunglasses and so me and Mike got all these Dolce & Gabbana sunglasses that were like really high-end fashion women's sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) so because she was just done with them and uh, we used to wear them as safety glasses on building sites so nice these like $400 glasses mind you this is how stupid I am I was an apprentice earning $176 a week right so I probably should have just sold those glasses and and got some
1: money. Where'd they come uh, from? Just off the back of a truck.
0: No, that they, they were the product used for that the photo shoot for the advertising that yep. Mike's wife did. So mm. she kept all the product that was regularly the deal. Like we ended up I mean we got some stuff from her that was decent, like that we didn't just destroy, like, I think I got a watch out of her one time or something like that. But uh, yeah, the Dolce Gabbana sunglasses, and people come onto our <laughs> building sites, and we'd be wearing these ridiculous big women's sunglasses as they're um, just destroying them, like using um, angle grinders. Yeah. Use, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you like, do when you're wearing what Dolce and you Gabbana. Two fucking idiots, doing. <laughs> and we just played and we, we were churning through them because we had like six pairs. Anyway, that's my segue. Uh,
1: I'm sure so. they just make all those items in a shop in China somewhere. And well, I whatever. heard
0: somewhere that almost all sunglasses are made in the same factory.
1: They're mm. all the same thing. There's yeah, they just smash a big stamp yeah. on there and go, oh, that's these that. These ones are
0: 20 bucks and yeah. these ones are 400 Yeah.
1: Yep. And they oh. make them in a different room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, not even. They're probably not made even. Yeah, in the same, just
1: the same room. Just throw them in a nice velvet
0: case and say, okay, 400. Yeah. All right. So, we, we fulfilled our obligation to say Dolce & Gabbana as many times as we, we needed to, so we can move on.
1: So, yeah, they can sue us now for- No, they're
0: going to pay us now. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm not shaming the the model industry because it's not- It's not actually the model industry's fault for trying to make people feel like shit. It's just that people look at it and they feel like shit because they get a wrong idea of what a body image should be like. So, what are you saying? You're saying that when people look
0: at someone else's videos online or whatever of their polished work that they're looking very good and and compare that to themselves in, in dogs. Is that what you're saying? And then say, like, I don't look like that.
1: It's that. And it's also, I think, the harsh feedback that people give them as well. So, when they make attempts on it, there are people out there who are very supportive. There are people out there who say, here's some things to consider. Keep going. You're going really well. You're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Or you're not on the right track and these are things that you need to do. So, they're, they're mentoring them carefully in a in a healthy and a productive manner. But there are people out there who are just vinegar-tongued and they're just saying, you know, dude, give it up. It's It's horrible. It's looking mm-hmm. shit. And- I think if you put your work online, then you've got to be prepared to be critiqued. Yeah. I think if you're working in the public, you've got to be prepared to be critiqued because unless you're dancing in the living room by yourself and you're the only person who's going to critique your work is you, then you're living a little bit of a fantasy yourself, I guess.
0: There's methods to doing that though. Like I, there's a asshole way in a decent way, I think. Like I've had seen people like professional dog trainers who are very good dog trainers put mm-hmm. up video and- it's very good for the audience they're trying to attract, but yep. there's you know, so they're training. They're just trying to bring in people into their facility to do training with them. But if they plan on going further with that dog themselves, there might be some tweaks. And I can think of a few people off the top of my head that I've then PM'd and said, "Hey, do you want feedback on that?" Or nah, I, that's, the, that's my that's my that's my that's exactly what I say. Do you yep. want feedback or nah? And always they've said, "Yeah, like I want feedback," and it's always little things. I think that that's the way to do it rather than going, hey, fix that
1: dog's head position, do this, do that, Mm. in a comment. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And it's one of the things that we used in uh, the Rottweiler Club in the early days when we changed the format and made it more welcoming for people to come down there was that we made people We made it clear to people that, especially when there were show people coming down is don 't offer critiques to people 's dogs mm-hmm. because sometimes those critiques would be harsh, mm-hmm. like they 'd say, Oh, you know your top line 's all over the place, the ear set or the carriage of the dog doesn 't look nice, and its legs are standing east to west they 're pet people they don 't care mm. to them that 's just heartbreaking news to hear that their dog in the eyes of somebody else, is just a monstrosity, mm. so they don 't need to hear that. So, we formally introduced that concept of don't offer critiques unless people ask for them. So, unless they actually come up to you and say, could you offer me some advice on if my dog is suitable for confirmation, then that conversation just never happened. Mm -hmm. And that way, we kept it friendly and we kept it civil down there because that was what was happening previously where people, not all the time, but it was happening. That was one of the complaints I was getting is that people coming up and telling me my dog's basically a piece of shit. And (laughs) that's, that's not... What people went to an obedience club for? They yeah. didn't go there to hear that. They went yeah. to hear how do I solve my dog trying to eat the neighbor's dog or um, yeah. pulling on the lead or doing this or doing that. They came down for genuine behavioural help, not you don't look pretty enough.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's another story. <laughs> What's that? I was at the this dog beach one time with. You just Ryder. go on these
1: adventures, don't yeah. you? We, oh, we it's, just it's, attract it's these
0: Jono's that just come out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. So, I was there with this, this Mally I had right. It was my first Mally. And he was a very pretty dog, but a very traditional, fit the standard of a Mally. Very nice. Black face, dimples, black tail on his, on, black spot on his tail, the whole lot. Perfectly formed body. Yep. And um, so, I'm there and there's this woman. She had a Tervurin. And she she says, oh, Malinois. And so, immediately, as soon as someone knows what kind of dog that is, you sort of strike up a conversation we're talking. And he was very well trained at that point and was doing some really cool stuff, right? All kinds of positions, and I could send him away to go get on stuff and throw his ball and let him swim out to get it and not quite get it and come back and then go out and get it. I'm doing all this stuff while I'm just chatting with this one because mm. of what we do. And she is carrying on about how good looking he is, right? And that I simply must show him. She's like, You must, you simply must. And she's infatuated with the dog, right? Carrying on about how he must be shown. He's perfect and telling me I didn't know what uh, i still have never been to a maligny show but she's telling me all the reasons why and she's telling me all the dimple and the black spot on his tail and he's blah 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 all of his colors and his confirmation everything looks perfect so all the things that
1: mean nothing to you (laughs) mean
0: nothing to me yeah and then she's continued to tell me this and he comes running back in to retrieve his ball and i told him to sit and he sat dead in front of us right now do you remember his right ear was kinked yes i do yeah (laughs) So it didn't stand up ever. And I, I thought she was going to vomit when she saw it, right? She's like, oh, d- d- does that not stand up? I said, well, it, it can. He just has a hard time doing that. He's got like a kink in the cartilage and it, it, he has to be really highly aroused to, to get both to stand up.
1: what she just gasp and say, oh, my God, he's a monster. She, she just
0: went dead still and basically looked at me and says, oh, that's a- that's a birth defect. That's a deformity.
1: Oh, um, euthanize the yeah. beast immediately. Yeah, It's just just go, me, and just go and belt him on the head with a hammer yourself.
0: Yeah, told him <laughs> told me
1: that he, he should
0: be dissexed immediately because that was a genetic trait that he'd pass on. And I was like, well, I, I agree that he shouldn't be bred, right? He wasn't a strong dog. So, I'm not, we're not going to go down that line. But I was like, I'm not sure that that is a genetic trait. Like, he's got a bend in the cartilage in his ear. I'm not sure that that would be passed on.
1: Wow, I'd hate to be have my... Testicles yeah. removed just because uh, my ear was ears slightly ears deformed, bit, right? and mm. I'm
0: like, and this is this is one of the my early. I was before I was really in dogs, He was just a pedestal in the
1: army, like I. Um, this is
0: one of my earliest
1: It's a congenital with... defect. It's not known as a genetic defect. Yeah. It's usually something that happens. In the womb, right? In the womb, It yeah. just, it's been, it's got a bend in it. And like. Yeah. can it even know? happen when they're um, puppies and, yeah. you know, like they can play with litter mates and litter mates can damage the cartilage. Yeah, which could have happened because he was out of hell when I got him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so he's sitting in front and I kind of go to him like, I like it. It's like his little Nemo fin. Like it's how I can pick <laughs> him in a lineup. Like he's got one ear <laughs> that yeah, stands up straight fin. and the other one that goes <laughs> up and then. And kinks out to the side, like, yeah. I like it. And she was like, oh, no.
1: no absolutely Dreadful, not. disgusting, Dreadful. Yeah. beastly, and basically, ghastly.
0: Basically, that was, like, the end of the conversation. She couldn't yeah. stand to be around anymore and left. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck just happened here? This is outrageous.
1: Aren't we fortunate as human beings that we're not judged on our appearance or our social Aren't standings? We, Aren't Ooh. we? Well, yeah, well that's, yeah, that's a point. Let's not go there. Yeah. We'll just lose everybody. That's so what we're we even talking about. Yeah, so feedback. We're talking, yeah, feedback. Feedback from, from people who are who are in the industry who are feeling like it's time to cut ties or give it up or throw in the towel. Hmm. I mean, look, if you if you need a break from it, if you genuinely need a break, then take a break. And sometimes there are people who are in any industry, like they've started off enjoying a role in any job. It was their dream job found out it wasn't entirely their dream job and they've started down the pathway of something else, that's fine. There's no problem or no failure in walking away from something that primarily makes you feel quite unhappy. Mm -hmm. And if you do, then leave it. You know, I mean, you're a long time dead, so you might as well find things that you actually find heart and soul joy in. If you are finding that you're actually experiencing some pretty severe thoughts about what you're doing, like you just sad getting up in the morning and you hate your life and so forth and go and find someone sensible to talk to, like go and find a a health practitioner to let them know that you're not feeling 100% about the way you're dealing with things at that point in time because there's people in the industry who have, they've experienced quite a high degree of bullying before. Bullying? Bullying, yep. They've been bullied quite systematically. So, they're, they're actually in a stage where they just, not only do they hate doing their job but they just hate their, their existence which is mm. very unfortunate and they're damn good people too they're people that i've spoken to and they've said i try and encourage them not to spend too much time online and don't look for feedback from the wrong type of people yeah yeah
0: it's a tricky one because it is a tricky one it is a, of course it's a tricky one sort of exactly as i was saying like if you're going to put product out there you're trying to attract customers mm. right and other dog trainers are not your customers. So they're the ones that are going to give you that critical feedback or bully you, as you say, and, and that sort of thing. And They're not the ones that you're after. I find this with guys in the army, right? So like you get out and say, open a gym and you then use the brand, right? Like mm. the, the special forces brand or whatever. And- other guys looking at that and like, look at this piece of shit. Like, look at him carrying on. But you're not his market. Like, yep. And he's entitled to use the brand. He's, he bought in. He, like, he earned it. Yep. But then people who are like, look, I can't believe he's carrying on like that. And he, he's got sort of, so that you can see that some people have kind of sold their soul a little bit playing it. But they're not the market that you're, you're going for. So, you, you sort of, it, it's very difficult. It's a very, uh, I'm sort I don't know if you can see where I'm going with it. But when someone's putting out content it's not for other dog trainers to review that's why it's to gain followers and customers that are are much worse than them and will benefit very much from them and that's why like i say with people who i've given feedback to i do it by a private message and ask them if they're interested in any feedback or whatever Hmm. um and i think i have actually when i said use my saying do you want feedback on that or nah just go back to nah (laughs) it's like cool no worries yeah, I guess because oh, I want <laughs> feedback on stuff like that and
1: so do I at times look I've had advice from people before where they've said that they found some of my advice a little harsh mm-hmm. and in the past I would have thought to myself look just harden the fuck up mm-hmm. that's what I would have thought but we're all different and I guess that's as you as you mature and you look at things and I've I've told people before, in many cases, I'm a bloke with a pocket full of rocks standing in a glass house. So, <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that I'm perfect and others aren't and that's not what the message is. It's not about me being righteous and e- evangelical about yeah, yeah. this message because I've certainly been harsh on people before and I haven't realized the impact that the message has had until people have spoken up, until they've, until they've reached a point of comfort or bravery that they've plucked it up and said, dude, you said something to me, it shattered me. Mm. And I've had to take that on board before. I've had to think, yeah, wow, I didn't actually, I wasn't in tune enough at the time to realise how brutal I was with the message. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes it's less about brutalising people and more hearing what they're asking for Mm -hmm. rather than just listening with the intent to reply and waiting to smash them down with how you think it should be. Yeah. You know, I think what people could say is consider this, you know, that's looking okay. What are you, what are you trying to achieve? What's, what's your outward goal? And consider possibly doing this, that, and the other rather than saying, honestly, it's, a, it's looking horrible at this point in time, yeah. which is not very helpful.
0: I, um, a really good friend and mentor of mine many years ago told me something. Uh, we we had this pistol coach come in like a professional guy come in to teach us pistol shooting stuff and he was very very good and then we had this we were instructors for this other course and he came in on the pre-week to help us get ready to teach these other people um civilian guy and uh we did an actual shoot in it and i way way outshot this guy way better and then he comes over and he starts critiquing my shooting and i just was like are you for real uh, I, well, I didn't say that to him, but I was clearly just like, yeah, 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 cool, mate. Keep moving. Like, tell your story. Walking. Yeah. Like, I just outshot <laughs> yeah. you. I'm not about to listen to you, right? And uh, Griffo comes over to me and he goes, "Do you know even Tiger has Tiger Woods has a coach?" And, yeah. um, and I, was, <laughs> I was like, it, it resonated with me because he's like, so what if you can outshoot him? He's here. We're paying this guy to make you better. Now maybe you're better than him already. That doesn't mean he can't make you better. And that stuck with me very much as for, as well. So, I always – like, I love taking advice from people, even if there are people who haven't been able to achieve what I can do, but they can still see what's going on. They, they might be able to give me awesome feedback. Like I say, every, every single person at the Olympics has a coach that got them there, and their coach is probably some fat old has-been that never achieved anything even close to what they did but they understand the mechanics of the movement or whatever it is, you know, whatever nuance that it's at. Yeah, and that's right. You've got to take feedback from those people for sure. So, it, it's a fine line between telling people to fuck off because you've no, you've achieved nothing and I'm achieving something.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, if people can genuinely see how a movement should be played and they have – I mean, there are coaches that have never stepped foot in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, they've never actually achieved much themselves, but they know, as you said – You put it quite well. They actually know the mechanics and the structure of it. They know where you should be placing your body or your instrument, whatever you're doing on the field. They actually know how it should look. And sometimes just having that person there, we used to video each other doing obedience quite some time ago. Mm -hmm. And A lot of people actually have mirrors up in their training centers. So, they put mirrors up so they can actually watch themselves working and they can see how their movement looks. Because if you can't see that, if you can't at least – be critical enough to look at yourself and saying, holy shit, I didn't realise my body language is communicating something entirely different to the dog. You know, in forms of communication, we did a podcast a while ago called The Art of Communication and it's all of this helps communicate better with the dog that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And that's primarily what we want to do is we want to look good at the end of the day. Yeah, We want people to acknowledge our hard work and acknowledge what we've actually done with our dogs because- Good dog training, regardless of the breed, doesn't matter if it's a a super genetic dog or anything like that, you still have to train that dog. Mm -hmm. So, people want to be appreciated for the shaping exercises that they've actually spent, the time on the field, because it still matters to them that they did the hours and people come to get, at the end of the day, they look at it and they say, fuck, that looks awesome. Mm -hmm. Good work is good work. But the thing is with bad work is that either people are oblivious to it, they don't know they're doing it, or they do know they're doing it and they're lazy and they don't care. Mm-hmm. But if they're sensitive to being critiqued, sometimes I have to tell them, be careful of the person you're asking for critique from. Yeah. There are certain, I mean, and I'm not making this a racial thing as well, but there are certain cultures that are less for example it's it's broken in in translation so mm-hmm. p- some people will talk to you and they will tell you a way that they know how to communicate with you however you'll find that horrendously confronting when they say it in their their language and their tone because mm-hmm. they don't realize that what they said was offensive mm-hmm. okay so some somebody will ask you a question they will respond to it because that's what they un- understand in broken english and what? In,
0: I think often- I know exactly what you mean, where their language skills don't allow them to have- to use enough words to spare your feelings. Exactly. They only know the words they know. They might- you know, there's 10 ways you could say the same sentence, but
1: they only have the one way. And so, you're getting it that way, whether that's going to upset you or not. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it is. It's a cultural thing. And I mean, even the way they talk to each other in their own mother language, it's- they're used to it. They're conditioned to it. Yeah. It's It's the neighborhood they grew up in and they understand- that's how you talk to people when you're dealing with certain things, to be honest. And this is not a direct reflect on anybody who has been impacted by somebody's shitty behavior. But there are more and more sensitive people out there who are choosing to be offended and sensitive about things. Yeah. For those type of people, this is a hard industry to, to get in and, and take well, your lumps. That's certainly a problem that I
0: have. Not a problem I have, but it's a, a hurdle I have to cross because I am the opposite. I like harsh um, and direct feedback. I That's, I think, the best yeah, you just way just want to get I to learn. the point, don't you? Yeah, and I don't need anybody. I don't need my feelings to be spared. I don't need to be pussyfooted around. I think I've told you a story one time when I was, I was sort of fed up with the way I was being treated by someone that was teaching me, and he just said- It was pretty... It was, again, a very impactful day. He said, hey, we can stop now if you want and we can go back to the house and have a beer and be good friends or you can shut the fuck up and get back to work and become a good dog trainer. (laughs) And and he goes, so which one do you want to be? Because I'm happy to do both, bro. Which one? I Um, know who that was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I was like, okay, I'll get back to work and be a good dog trainer because that's it, like... I don't need to be treated nicely to to understand. But then the problem I have is I sort of do that to people a little bit as well. And especially if you're actually working the dog, like when we're talking, I can be as, I can use as much tact as necessary and we can take the long way around to get to the point and that sort of thing. That's fine. But when you're actually working the dog, you have moments in time to capture behavior, mm. right? Especially I find that as a decoy. Fleeting moments in time. Yeah, as mm. a decoy. I don't have time to spare your feelings because if your dog's doing the right thing or the wrong thing, I need you to act. And yep. so, I, and because he's probably barking and we're in a noisy area or whatever, I'm going to yell at you to do the thing that I need you to do. And And it's not even a... It's not even a representation of people's skills being bad or not because I can see things. The dog's looking at me, not looking at them. Mm. So that's why you're employing me to to do that. I'm there to 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 understand what's going on at the front end of the dog, and you're at the blunt end of the dog. Yeah. But I'm often upset people because I'm yelling at them. Do this, do that. No,
1: not that. This. And I, I had because <laughs> did they- you see that meme I put up the other day in the balance of Symposium, the one I'm with trying. the seagull? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I I stole that from somebody. I think it was yeah. Alison I nicked, nicked it off. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. it's got the yeah, it's got it's exactly what you're saying. It's yeah, the exactly seagull. That. Oh, good work, pay the dog. And then it's got the seagull sort of winding up, saying, "Come on, yeah. pay the dog." And it's then it pulls its head back and it turns kryptonite. Yeah. red, and yeah. it's going pay that dog. Yeah. I think you actually posted it on our page. Um, the, anyway, the, oh no, the the, the, the canon, canon Paradigm. 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 It yeah. was yeah, sorry,
0: wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I think that for sure is an issue. That I face and people have to just get over because there I, there isn't really a fix to that. If you want good dog training, then you have to. It, it's communication between the people, and we we we'll, we can make up later, and we can be friends later. Exactly like like I was told, we can recover from this later on. Right now, we're in the moment, and we need to continue on what we're doing. And you have to you have to listen in. And like I regularly will yell at people, hey. Listen to what I'm saying. Do the fucking thing I'm telling you to say. Yeah. Because people will get caught up in the moment or whatever and you have to bring them back And out. that's and more I about have,
1: a disruptor rather than- Yeah.
0: And-, and, and I, But I know- Sorry, before you go on. I know I've upset people doing that in the yeah. past
1: and I am i don't care. Raised right. voices can trigger people. Yeah.
0: It's just um, too bad.
1: It Well, in some cases it is a little bit too bad because you're not listening and you need, you need to get through to them at the time because, I mean- you know, how many times do you have to tell somebody the same story? If they can't hear it at that volume, then sometimes...
0: Yeah, that's it. And and it is, that's exactly right because if they're not reacting, it's because you're not being effective and you need to be immediately effective because, like I say, in dog training... In the live situation, we have a window to mark a behavior. Mm. We have to utilize what
1: we have. We're You
0: know, we're either going to reward or punish whatever we're doing, but we have to do it immediately. Otherwise, we get the opposite outcome to what we want.
1: The other point, too, that people have got to have a look at in that sort of situation is, is this personal? Like, are they personally attacking me? Like, are they attacking, are they assassinating my character or are they being critical, yeah. okay, of, of the work I'm doing? So, and I've said that to people before because they've, Give me an example of something that was said to them in training, and I said, it doesn't sound to me like they were running you down personally. What it sounds like is they were saying they were frustrated because maybe you weren't listening, primarily what you just, the whole story you just went through. Mm. So, and that is frustrating. I've got to admit, when I've dealt with clients before who are, are doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, which is Einstein's theory of insanity, mm-hmm. you've got to say to yourself, Man, come on! You've got to you've got to start listening to me. You've got to start picking up the tempo. There is a delivery method in that. Yeah,
0: well, I think the litmus test on that is in the moment you can and should be as hard as you need to on someone, but then when the dog gets put away, mm. they and they come back into the room. If you're still debrief, yeah, but if if your debrief is still of a nature as though it was when the dog was there, and you're trying to be time sensitive and and harsh, then you're in that debrief moment being unnecessarily harsh because that's where you go, hey, you know, you talk through this is what happened. This is why we had to do this in the future. I need you to look for these signs and you can deliver it as simply as that. But at the moment it's like, do it, do it, do it. But then after you have to be like, hey, Mm -hmm. you understand why that went. This is what I need you to do. And if 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 when you put the dog away and you come back out and someone still wants to treat you like that, then I think probably you are being treated
1: poorly. Yeah. And it's the same premises of punishing a dog and then staying mad. Yeah, You know, I mean, the whole point of punishing is to, to mark an unwanted behavior, to say, stop that. And then, like, if you're lording it over the dog and then being resentful and angry with the dog after that point in time, there's no benefit to it. Mm. All that does is it just betrays any other behavior that follows on. Mm. Because then the dog is basically thinking... Well, I changed my behavior and you're still mad at me. So, the cues that you're teaching the dog at that point in time is doesn't matter what you do from here. Everything's a fuck up. Yeah. Um, And again, that goes back to, you know, debriefing somebody and talking to them. If they can still see that you're hostile, they can still see that you're resentful. The message that you tried to convey was lost. Mm. And all they're thinking of is this person hates me, they're an arsehole.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly to say it's like when you're training a dog, the application of pressure is not the learning moment, it's the removal of the pressure. Correct. And if you never remove the pressure, you never learn. Mm. So that's, uh, I think that's really important when you're talking to people as well. Like I can, you know, so much of this relates back to my old life in the army, but it's all about you put someone into as much difficulty as possible. That's not where where they learn how to do the
1: thing. Yeah, they've got to teach them how to get out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, to, how to get
1: out of it and relieve themselves from it. Mo- yeah. It's And it's motivating them. Like punishment, as we've talked about before, punishment is a form of motivation. Motivation away from that direction. Yeah. Like, And as soon as you change that direction, relief should follow immediately. Yeah. And not only relief but rewardable relief as well. Yeah. So, you're relieved by or you're rewarded by the change of behavior because the relief comes straight away, pressure goes off, and you can also add in a reward because you're heading back in the right direction. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's a, it's a very important concept. Based on our last podcast when you and I were talking to Forrest and uh, you've been reading Jordan Peterson's uh, The I Oh, you've started reading it? Tw- yeah, I've started reading it and it's fantastic. What chapter are you up to? I would say I'm about probably two-thirds of the way through. Okay. Yeah. So, I've made good headway on it. Yeah. And I really like the concept of when he's talking about raising children and he says, do you want to, I think uh, Forrest mentioned this in his podcast as well, but do you want to raise them to be strong or do you want to raise them to be safe? Yeah. And that is a very good point that he makes on that concept is do you want safe children that are coddled and they're weak and they're soft and they're triggered easily? Or do you want children that are strong that if they are presented with a degree of intensity in anything, they can, they can overcome it easy. And I think that's not everybody's like that. We're not all strong, okay, or we're not as strong as each other. So, some people where they can handle intense situations, other people would find that very confronting. But that nonetheless, that is something that I think we should be striving for in raising our children, raising our helps. colleagues at work. Raising our animals, uh, anything that we're doing is is not t- not necessarily to raise them so safe that the world becomes terrifying and small amount of confrontation leads to high levels of stress. But then you go into Chad and Jay's laid stress model, and then you look at the how that impacts people, like it's one thing plus another thing, and all of a sudden it's we get down to the straw that broke the camel's back. yeah, it's just one wafer thin stimuli that hits the person and it, it just takes them under yeah, or takes them out, I should say.
0: Yeah. I think that everybody and everything has a bandwidth of capability in everything they do. And I think that that strength thing is, is um, no different to that. So in every dog you're raising and people you interact with, like there's a bandwidth of how much they can put up with And your bandwidth is different to my bandwidth. Mm. We all have the same bottom point, but we all have a different starting point, right? A uh, top point, I mean. Um, yeah. And the goal with everybody is to get that as high as possible because you can control that. You can't control the outside world. Mm. You can't do that all the time. And that's what I've, you know, how many podcasts have we talked about where I just carry on about that's what I like to do to dogs now. I'm less into training them young and training them to do things. I'm just more about making them tough and showing them how strong they are and getting to the absolute top of that bandwidth of capability and strength. Because- in training, I control the environment. I control everything, but in the real world, I don't. So I'm way better off putting as much into the as much stress into the training as possible, so that when the stress is real and outside of my control, it seems like nothing to the dog. Mm. Because the things I have built you up to and inoculated you to over time are so much worse than what you would experience in real life, then you've, you're onto the winning formula. And that is that's exactly what that whole chapter is about in that book. But it certainly it upsets people when you talk about it, right?
1: Instead of it, it, it don't can't make not life because easier. it's it's a point of conflict for some people. Yeah. You know, it's conflicting to their beliefs. And any time that you're talking about changing your belief, especially when you've become when you have a degree of, of dissidence about it or dissonance about it, you you struggle with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you struggle with it until you find benefit in it. And once you find benefit in it, then you see the necessity to change and then you change. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I guess one of the messages that I keep repeating to people is examine the content. Is it personal? Is it something that people are personally driving into you? Like are they, are they attacking you personally or were they critiquing the work? Yeah. You know, and if they were critiquing the work, then- Learn how to swallow it up a little bit and say, okay, maybe you can just talk to the person openly. Maybe you can even, you know, like if if personal confrontation is, is too confrontational, maybe send them a pleasant email and just say, hey, really enjoyed your feedback. A couple of points personally for me is that I found some of it a little hard wearing. I felt that it was character assassination, but it may not have been, but love to talk to you about it more. Mm. Now, Depending on the person you send it to, some people will sit back and analyse that and go, "Okay, yeah, that's that's reasonable." Or other people might go, "Have a fuck! How like, dare you! Have a look at this, John O. writing to me, yeah, yeah. and 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 attacking my character of my presentation <laughs> because after all, I am a a master trainer and yeah, I'm uh, am entitled to a degree of audacious behavior. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess the thing is as well, like we we're sort of regularly talking about what we're going around now is people putting up on social media or whatever video content and getting feedback right that's sort of what we're talking about and I think you just have to examine why you would put anything up anyway and then and consider the context that somebody else has put it up I think that's so important because like I say if they're trying to just attract business for their clientele it's not your business what they're doing. Mm. They're like, And that's why you can ask, hey, do you want feedback or not? And if they may or may not. Like, it's none of your business. If, they're, if their clients are happy with turning up to them and they're not doing anything shitty or unsafe, you know what I mean, then what, why is it any of your business to give feedback to it? And like I say, I think that a lot of people – it depends on who your clients are, the content that you should put up and, mm. and why. Like, you have to have an end goal. Like, when you're putting – here's me training a dog – like what's the end goal in posting this? What am I trying to get out of that? Am I trying to get am I trying to get business or am I trying to get likes? Yep. Or you know what I mean? Like I think people need to know that before you put everything up. Like what is it? Like, you know, lately I am putting up a bunch of videos of Remy, but it's because I'm just teaching him some new behaviors and I want to show like he's something he's just learned and and, and give us sort of a uh, an insight into how he's learned that. But it's also part of your
1: business model. No, that's exactly, I mean, right. You're that's leading, exactly right. You're showing people what's achievable, what you can do with your own dog. I mean, it, there's an old saying is a mechanic's car is usually a piece of shit and, <laughs> and that's not what you want to sell. You don't want to be the type of dog trainer that is dictating how to train dogs and yet you've got a very poorly behaved dog yourself. I mean, it doesn't speak volumes of you where you're – We used to have a concept at ADT where you're welcome to bring your dog down to training Mm -hmm. if your dog behaved Mm -hmm. because there was nothing worse than selling a product and having your dog having to be told 50 times during the lesson to drop, going over and trying to beat up other dogs, showing all the behaviours that you're telling other people that you're there to fix. And you possibly can. You can be that coach. You know how to do it, yet your own dog is terribly behaved. So, we used to say to people, if that's your dog, leave your dog at home. Yeah. We don't want your dog down there. You might be a super coach. You might be a great presenter. But if your dog is an angry, resentful ball of hatred that just wants to beat up on other dogs or won't listen to you and is is disobedient for various different reasons, don't come to training. Don't yeah. bring that or don't bring that dog to training. Yeah, don't show it off. And it's I mean, and I like, to, I do like to see the fact that trainers can coach people and they can be coachable they can train their own dogs to do things Mm -hmm. you know and i like that i think that's nice it it gives people the premise that you can take a young puppy that knows nothing and you can shape it through a career of training and into sports and activities or even just for general obedience at home yeah lifestyle obedience
0: yeah i don't think it's necessary for everyone to have a super highly trained dog to know how to get them there but Damn it, it's better. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean. Hey, hey, just before we go on, I just want to um, shout out to Preston Henshaw that's oh, yeah. down in Victoria mm-hmm. because he's a massive fan of the show. And I was down in Melbourne on the weekend with Brent and Cat. They had a balance symposium get-together. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, he loves the show and he's a he's a good kid. He's got a yeah, very- Yeah, He's cool. Yeah. He's one of those guys that really makes himself coachable. Like, he uh-huh. throws himself out there both to be critiqued and also to for ongoing learning so you know he's kind of like that perfect person who is just saying i'm a dry sponge throw water on me perfect yeah so good on you mate thanks heaps for being a fan of the show and spreading the good word for us really appreciate it there it is so that's our shout out for somebody <laughs> how much did he pay you for that 50 bucks <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> mind enough.
1: you i had to shake him down behind the shed to get it it was, it was <laughs> worth it
0: yeah well we we may as well make some money somehow. Yeah. I well, haven't come through with that contract like oh, they promised. I was just pissy
1: it was all in coins. Like I had to pick turn it up upside and, down, yeah, and turn it upside down. And, and, you know, like it was a $5 note here and a couple of $2 <laughs> coins. It was terrible. Oh, dear.
0: One thing that I was just kind of thinking about when we were talking there was that I think that in dog training, just because of the, the messages that we got after Jazz was on and that, and people talking about the industry being hard on them and difficult on them. And I think that... One thing that I know for sure about myself is that your goals have to be achievable by you, right? Yep. And I think that if you put other people in control of your happiness, you'll always be disappointed. So, some the, the common theme of what a lot of people are talking to me through in, during the week and that is like you have to set goals that you can attain and don't rely on anybody else to help you attain them. Yep, And- I think, like, that's something that probably causes people some distress in dogs. I think that, like, they're like, I have to be in that crew and that's when I'll be happy when I'm in that crew. Or I have to- God, there's a million things. There Um, is. But your goal that you choose, what you want to achieve in dogs has to be something that you can do. And that's why I love competing because-
1: It it should be something you love. Yeah. It it still should be something you love. Like, you should- you should still come away from it thinking, fuck, that was awesome. Yeah. That just made me, you know, like a hard day at work. I came home, I punched out some obedience with my dog and, and it just felt awesome. You yeah. Know, like I came back in with a smile on my face rather than coming back in thinking, you know, that just highlighted or antagonized me further. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that.
0: Yeah. And so, I think with all those goals, they have to be measurable and achievable. And mm. so, that's why I love competing this is why i've spent so much time getting the psa club ready and that sort of thing is that because it's measurable there's levels and the rules are written and you can't break the rules there's a decoy that's going to act within the rules there's a judge that's going to assess you on those rules and so it really is up to you you Mm -hmm. you no one can stop you doing what you want to do and there's no one that decides whether you're worthy or not there's rules that are written and it's up to you to get through them there's no there's no click for you to be in or out of there's no you can't bully me out of not getting a PSA 1 title. You can't do it. it mm-hmm. I can train. I, I can put in the work. If I need to, I can employ decoys. You know, I can do whatever. My happiness is within my control. I want that title. I can do that. Yeah. What you can say is like, no, you can't train with us. And if my goal is if, – if what will make me happy is to be something that you control, then I'm potentially never going to be happy. Yeah. And I think that is after the feedback that I got from lots of people f- listening to jazz – is that the people who are happy in dogs are the people that have goals that they set for themselves, not the goals that they let someone else set.
1: Well, it's like the old saying that we've talked about before is that no species will feel discontent about any situation, reinforcement or punishment, providing they know how to control the outcome. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing for people. If If you actually have a grasp on controlling your environment to some degree, then you'll- Experience happiness in yeah. one form or another. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's I think for the dog world, mental health and happiness, people getting chewed up, spit out, or having a good time. That's certainly, in my estimation, and and that's how it is. That's how I've always set in my life as well. Not just in dogs, but in everything in general. When you let someone else define what you are and what your happiness <laughs> looks like. That's where you'll never achieve that happiness. Yep. But when you decide it and set an achievable goal that you can work towards, achieve that, move to the next one, that's when you'll be sweet. And so, for sure, like you see, like, I think that's one of the things in Jazz's life was, you know, she wanted to set her goal of being a PSA decoy. So, like, she did that and that is a goal that she could work towards. No one could take that from her. She's Mm. welcome to turn up and try out and pass or fail on her own merits. Yep. There's a standard that has to be met. That standard's written down. It's not open to interpretation. That's there. So there's no one can dick you around. Even if in the upside down world where Shauna just decided he hated jazz and she wasn't getting through, if she did the work and performed as well as she did, she gets through. There's no yep, no one right. else is in control of of your life when you set- Achievable things, yeah, and that's what is makes so happy. And no matter how hard a goal you set for yourself, if it's one that you can control and you're you're leading towards, well, that's a good point.
1: That's a really really good point because there's a lot of cultures that have discovered that having goals that are too big are unachievable at times. So in their pursuit of being happy what they've done is they've had a lot of small achievable goals yeah. that they can they can chunk it down into bite-sized pieces that they can feel fulfilled that rather than saying this is an enormous thing that needs to be done, which they'll learn dread from. Mm. And it, it's following on exactly from your point is that, If you can find that you can chunk it down, if you can break it down into achievable bite-sized pieces, then you can feel that I can actually do this. It's achievable. I understand how it works. understand how the procedures all follow through. Now you will experience some form of achievement and then you'll feel happy.
0: Hey, what's been your
1: highest, happiest moment in dogs? Oh, there's been a few. Yeah, there's been a few. I mean, I could talk about that from just my own achievements in recognition, mm-hmm. in, being like in being in – are you saying summarize it? No, I
0: want to hear about like an event, the first one that pops into your mind when you think like that is what made me really happy about this industry that I'm in.
1: Okay. The, I think the thing that made me the happiest initially was early days in Australian dog training mm-hmm. when it was just – It was brand new to me and it was just so amazing. I was just so awestruck what you could do with a dog. But then the second thing which was instrumental in blowing my mind was just how much there was to learn. Like when I realized that how the science all sort of combines with the actual actual practical side of it and that there was so much more than I actually realized there was, that was like staggering for me. It Mm -hmm. just completely blew my mind. For me, that's what it was. Mm. What's yours? I think probably there was one
0: day, a bit over a year ago, and Remy was a very young puppy, and uh, Sam was up here for something, and we did just like a quick bite work session, and it went really well. And it's the first time that I've had like a bite work session where I was handling the dog. It went really well, and I was like, oh, okay, this is – and he was very young. He was, he'd only just finished teething. Or maybe he just started teething. It was really young. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, I thought like this is going to work out and this dog's mine and this is the dog I've been wanting for eight years or whatever I've been waiting for. And like I'd handled and had heaps of awesome dogs along the way, but they weren't mine. And that was the first, like, I I remember putting him away in the car and just having this big, stupid shit-eating grin on my face. (laughs) And like, yes, this is, this is going to work out. This is what I've been wanting for, for ages. And, um, yeah, anyway, that was like a really happy moment for
1: me. But it is. It's, I think it's one of those things that it's so personal for each person. Like, I mean, the joy you can feel, and it's, I guess, the best way to describe it for me, it might be different for you, is just relief. Relief yeah. that what you're doing is coming together. And it's like, The anxiety that you experience prior to it, like you're thinking, you know, like, am I good enough for this or is it going to happen or is the dog good enough? Is the work good enough? Yeah. And then you can see like it tips the threshold, like it hits a tipping point and it goes over and you can think, fuck. It's like just instant gratification and relief right at that point in time. It's like everything sort of collides, all the work you can see it coming to fruition. So yeah. it's, a, it's a magnificent experience. And that for, like that for me was learning how to combine the science and the practical side and for you seeing that Remy was capable and that it wasn't going to be a dog that you'd have to pass on and start all over again.
0: Yeah, hmm. and
1: I was allowed to keep him. I think that you just sort of set me down a little
0: path of thought there when you say like the the relief. I think that is happiness, right? Happiness kind of is relief because – You've got all these stresses and anxiety. They're the compulsion to work. And then the satiation is the happiness, but it's only ever fleeting. Like you get that moment and it's not really the – it's not that you've got the thing. It's that you don't have the pressure anymore. Mm. Glenn's upset. There's mowers in the background.
1: Oh, no, they're the people cutting down the trees. (laughs) Cutting down the trees. Can you hear it? I can hear it, I don't have any headphones on. Yeah, it's loud.
0: It'll be all right. But, yeah, so that's the – (laughs) <laughs> that's the like happiness is not necessarily a feeling of this feels good it's that i don't have the stress of it potentially feeling bad anymore because then you have to pursue something else Yeah, you're not just like what are you going to do just like that's it i'm done then you're stagnant and you don't move forward anymore yep and that's not good that's not
1: happiness oh there we go yeah it is loud yeah it is loud so that might be a good time to wind up the show <laughs> <laughs> so uh look I know it's a deep subject and I don't really want to rush through this. I didn't have any ambition, but I've actually got to go and train a dog that's biting people. So, oh dear. Um, So, yeah, it's actually turning up here and it's working with my staff. So, they need me to guide them through the process because they haven't actually worked with a dog of this sort of… A pet dog that's biting people. It's, a pe- it's only a small dog, but it's fanging quite a few people. So Cool. I want to watch. Yeah, come out and watch. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Yep. That's, um, that's it for
0: a short episode of the Canine Paradigm done in the dark with no power on a portable recording device with no specific topic to talk about, just talking about the messages we got through the week. As always, if you like what you're hearing, jump onto whatever subscription service you download us from, like, share, subscribe. We're on Spotify now. Yes, Which is a
1: um, big achievement. A, it is actually because they they you can't just put that on Spotify, right? No, they they, they actually personally approve each application. Mm-hmm. and that took us about three months to get on Spotify, but we're on. So I got a notification saying, Thank you. Welcome to Spotify. Um, You've been approved. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So jump
0: on Spotify, have a listen. Tell me if it sounds any
1: different. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Spotify.
0: Yeah. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is via Facebook. We are The Canine Paradigm on Facebook. We're on Instagram as well. And that's it. Glenn, music.